Gracious Heavenly Father, we are so thankful to have this space and have these friends and family here to worship today. We just want to lift all things to you, Father. We thank you for guiding us and leading us. We thank you for um, the good times and the bad, and you are there in all of them. Father, we just pray this morning for Eric as he brings us the message. Um, just guide and lead his words and uh, open our hearts to receive what you have for us this morning. We thank you for this day, and we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to check this microphone. Is it working? Testing one, two. Can you hear me? All right. Awesome. Hi, everybody. My name is Eric, and you probably knew that. Um, so uh, this morning, Aunt John and Amber are gone, as you can tell. That's why things might feel a little bit chaotic, because they put me in charge. Uh, but they are in Florida, so I think they're probably watching online. So I think it's really cool if we could all, on the count of three, say, hi, John and Amber. Would that be all right? Because they're watching the service back there. So you can turn around to that camera. They probably can't see you, but um, on the count of three, let's say, hi, John and Amber. Ready? One, two, three. Hi, John and Amber. What's up? Okay. I know you're suffering in that Florida sun. <laughs> awesome. Um, so just a quick, just so you know, I'm the, the next generation pastor here at Hope, and I work with the youth, and I also help lead worship, which I love. And um, last night, our youth went to the uh, Presbyterian Church, and it was really cool because we have been partnering with them this year to uh, collaborate with our youth ministry, and the high school students have been meeting at the Presbyterian Greenhouse, we call it, because it's painted this really ugly green lime 70s color. Um, so we call it the Greenhouse, but it's been really cool to do that, and they provide the space, and we provide the kids and the leaders, and, and uh, we've been able to work together. So last night they had a 150th dinner for their church, and our students went and saw, served a meal, which was great. So kudos to our kids and uh, being a part of something that's just beyond our walls, collaborating with another church. Um, it's been a really cool relationship with them. Um, and then afterwards, we went to the Flint Hills, uh, not Flint Hills, Flashlight uh, Corn Maze, and um, it was really fun. So the kids survived, and we had a showing of cows, which was great. Um, so I just wanted to kind of give you an update on the youth. It's really a blessing, and we continue to pray that God will bring the students into our community that need to know about Jesus, which we believe is every single one of them in all of El Dorado, uh, but that God will also equip us to reach out to them. Um, the other thing before I jump into the message is that I just wanted to give you a quick update. Uh, last time I shared um, a few weeks ago, was uh, I talked about my friend Ricky and his wife Melissa. Some of you might not have been here, but um, a year and a half ago, Melissa uh, was diagnosed with brain cancer with a tumor on her stem that was inoperable. Um, so in case you hadn't heard by prayer uh, update, um, Melissa passed away just this past week. And uh, Ricky and his kids were able to be there at her bedside, and um, she was peaceful. Ricky leaned in and said, honey, it's okay, you have fought, um, and you can go. And she, uh, for the last three months, her left side has been completely paralyzed and immovable, and... Um, she lifted her left hand, which she had not done in three months. And she lifted her, her left hand, and, and he grabbed her left hand. And she turned and breathed her last. And, um, and uh, it was a beautiful time, he said. It was painful, but beautiful. So um, for those of you who wrote notes to them uh, three weeks ago, I took those, and I read those to Melissa by her bedside. 
Um, and I would read a few, and then I'd, she would, I'd say, do you want to hear more? And she'd say yes, or I'd say, do you want to hear more? And she would nod. Uh, and so over the four days I was there, I was able to share those. So thank you for going with me to that place of ministry. Um, so we continue to pray for him and uh, the strength to now move forward as a dad with three kids and going through funeral arrangements and all that stuff. So just wanted to keep you updated on that. So thank you for supporting me in that. Um, so before we go, I just wanted to offer a prayer that the Lord would speak this morning what he wants to um, in and through me. So would you join me in prayer? Lord, we thank you for the chance to gather. We ask that you would speak in and through uh, what I say. Would you, Jesus, be the, the, the words that we hear? Lord, we know that you are at work, so I pray that this morning you would be lifted high. Would you be front and center and uh, get me out of the way so that we can hear what you are doing? Uh, But we give you our lives and we trust you, and we ask that you would be the Lord of this time. And we ask a blessing upon John and Amber as they are in uh, Florida with their family. We pray a blessing on Ricky and his children, on the family as they uh, process uh, the grief and the uh, transition um, in life. So bless them, Jesus. And we give you our lives and speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so we are in week two of our Global Hope, focusing on uh, what God is doing around the world. And um, we're, it is birthed from the youth ministry. We're doing the 30-hour famine at the end of November. For, so for this next month, we're focusing on this idea of paying attention, paying attention to what is happening around the world and then in our nation and in our city and our community and our family and in our hearts Uh, because so oftentimes we can run 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 and we fail to pay attention and it's ironic that i'm preaching this message let me be honest okay because if there's a staff member here at hope covenant that runs 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 and doesn't pay attention right so know that as i share i am uh preaching to the choir um But this month as we prepare, we are walking into the 30-hour famine. And we spoke about that last week. But um, to lead into that, the 30-hour famine supports World Vision. And they are one of the leading hunger relief organizations that supports child sponsorship and disaster relief um, around the globe. This is a a short video clip I wanted you to see of the promotion. And the little girl that you're going to see highlighted and dancing is a girl named Maria. And she is from the Dominican... Let's see, Democratic Republic of the Congo. And that is the little girl that uh, we will be focusing on at the 30-hour famine. She represents one of many, but they went over and told her story. And so you'll see her in this video. Um, But let's check out a little bit about the 30-hour famine. at the end was Maria, and uh, hunger is not just, right? It's not fair. 
that our choice to go without food can be, right? We can be working for justice. Uh, as we talk about global needs, there's a scripture that I wanted to start with that is also the theme of the 30-hour famine. It's from Micah 6.8. What does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? So the Lord asks us to be thinking and focusing on justice and kindness and to walk humbly with him. And so today we're going to talk about paying attention globally to what it, where are the areas of justice that we need and then also, what does it mean to walk humbly with God as we wrestle those, those two um, sides of what this looks like? Um, and just to highlight this, this big old thing right here, if you have not been here before, this isn't usually where the cross sits. It's usually over on the side so that it doesn't get in the way. Uh, but we intentionally brought the cross right to the center of the stage so it gets in the way of setting up for the band. The preachers can't stand up here, and, right? It's like smack dab in an inconvenient spot. And we did that on purpose, because when we think about the cross, it ought to be the thing that is inconveniencing us all the time. And when we think about looking and paying attention globally and paying attention at all, the cross ought to be the thing that keeps getting in our way, right? It ought to be an inconvenience, because God is at work, and we have the ability to run, 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 and sometimes we have to stop. Well, we should stop, but sometimes we don't. The Lord will interrupt us with an inconvenience, and the inconvenience is the thing that is the cross at work, right? The grace of God. So even our stage display reminds us that we want to be putting Jesus at the front and center. Um, so as you look at the cross this, this next month, be thinking about that idea of Jesus at the center, that we would work toward the justice and the inconvenience of reaching out to those in need, okay? So few statistics to start us this morning as we look about the, the global needs around us. As I was looking at um, some of the needs that are highlighted, some of these come from the 30-hour famine, some are um, from Google, which of course you can trust, right? Um, but these came from the 30-hour famine, and here's a few statistics about the needs of the globe that we live in, the world that we live in. Did you know that over 815 million people still go hungry every single day? 815 million meaning they either go without a meal at all or a handful of a meal, right? A meal that should span a snack. Another statistic, 2.6 million babies worldwide die within their first month of life from the lack of postnatal care. So it's not like accidental things like that. It's, they don't have the postnatal care for vitamins or, or immunizations or food or nutrition. Another one, this is staggering. Every five seconds, a child under five dies. And nearly half of, the, of those deaths are from hunger-related causes or the malnutrition. Every five seconds. So think about how long it takes to scroll through Instagram. And somewhere, somebody is suffering and grieving a lost child, you know? And we get focused on our world. If we open our eyes and realize, man, it is real. It is, it is um, happening. Another one, 844 million people worldwide don't have access to clean water. How many of you guys, when you go to the store, buy bottled water? Okay. How many of you drink out of the tap? Okay. So 
they think about this, there are nations where people don't have either one. The only tap water they have is from a river that where people are doing laundry and using the bathroom. And it's, it's public uh, waterways, you know? And um, the fact that we are able to go by, by water is a total luxury. Uh, there are people who have no choice. Um, one last one um, about this. One in 10 million people worldwide live on less than $1.90 a day. So less than $1.90 a day, um, that's 767 million people. So what can you buy for $1.90? Give me some thought, examples. Candy bar? McDouble, baby. Yeah, almost two McChickens. Yeah. $1.90, what can you do with $1.90 a day? Download an app. You know, it's dumb, whatever, right? Um, think about how quickly we go to the store and they'll say, hey, would you like to round up to make that a, a donation for blah, blah, blah? Okay, we go, sure. Or not. I mean, not to make you guilty, but, right, we, we $1.90 is like nothing. But for some people, that's all they get. So another um, statistic for you, not only in hunger, but in refugee crisis around the world, did you know that in 2018... The number of refugees or stateless persons, meaning they have been removed from the country, or in, internally displaced people rose 3.5% over the year before up to 78.7, sorry, 78, I can't say that. Somebody read that? 70.8 million people, okay? 70.8 million people were refugees this year. That, and the, also that more than half of the world's refugees come from three main countries, Syria, 5.5 million from Syria, Afghanistan, 2.5 million, and South Sudan, 2.3 million. I mean, we think about the statistic of that, that Sudan, South Sudan has 2.3 million people who have had to flee because of war-torn situations. I mean, it's, it's like, it's easy to read that, but when you stop to think about that, it is staggering. Um, 2.3 million is how many Wichita's? Like five or more? I'm not a math guy, but... Um, so just the reality of the world that we live in. I wanted to read to you something from the 30-Hour Famine Manifesto. Um, and this is part of their, their, uh, they, what they, they share for those who are going through it. It says this, a child goes hungry overseas, and we say that's just the way it is. But it is not a just way, it's unjust. It's never really been a question of, quote, is there enough food to go around? Because there is. It's always been a question of, Quote, are there enough people who care? What if there are? What if we all hunger for justice? If all of us are moved to new action inspired by the love of Christ, to keep kids alive, to give food to all who hunger, all meaning there's more of us and them. It's all us because kingdom justice has always been about all of us. And one of the government affirmations that we hold to um, is this idea of solidarity that we walk in solidarity with other people and claim them as brothers and sisters. Um, and what this says that the love of Christ is what compels us. There's a scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, that says, for, the, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore, therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who... Yeah, let's see. But for him who died for them and was raised again. 
So the scripture says that we have been set free in order to not live for ourselves, but to live for others. So the challenge is, we know these statistics, but it's easy to hear them and then just go on about our day and our business. And so I really want to challenge us this morning to be thinking globally, right? So let's think global. What is happening in this world? What, is, what are the needs that are beyond what we have? Now, we have a, an issue in our American society, I believe, and I fight it too, with this difference between needs and wants, okay? We have needs and wants. Now, I would argue that a family that is a refugee family and is being displaced and they are solely relying on the, the incoming help from others, their needs are basic. Food, water, clothing, and shelter. That is a need. Do you think that if you said, what do you need? They would say, I need a new iPhone X and I need to renovate my kitchen and I need to update my bathroom and I need to get the bumper fixed and I need to have uh, the oil changed and I need to have, like, those are things that if you would ask us, we'd say, man, I, what do you got to do today? Man, I have to mow the grass. I have to get the oil changed. I, and, uh, you know, we really, we, uh, you know, like our discrepancy between need and want I think we have all been victim to the lie that what's really a need or what is really a want have been confused. Now, um, I fall victim to that too. But if we think globally, if we open our eyes and say, what is happening in the world? And we realize every five seconds a child is starving, then we might think twice before we go, do we really need to resurface our kitchen floor? Or can we live on linoleum that's cracked? Right? Or do we really need... Um, a bigger house, or sweetheart, do you really need new jeans? Okay? Um, we live in a world where it's easy to say, I really need this. And so I want to challenge us to think today, what are our needs and what are our wants? Like, bare necessities. Um, to really be processing that. Um, okay? Make sense? Um, so as we look at this, this idea of global need, um, and global hunger, as a church, I believe that God has called us and equipped us to help lift up the broken and the hurting. And if we each do our part, that we can significantly help change, that God has called us to be ambassadors, to go and to love and to serve. We can do that here. We can also do it abroad. And I wanted to challenge us today to think about um, working together and to serving God as he's led us. So I'm going to do a little demonstration. So where's Derek? All right, Derek, come on up. This is Derek Denner. Derek is awesome. Everybody say, hi, Derek. All right, so Derek um, just recently got married to lovely Jessica. Hi, Jessica. Um, Derek also volunteers with our youth ministry, which is great, on Wednesday nights. He, he leads the seventh grade Bible study, or a small group with guys, and he's, he's awesome at, at leading them. And um, he is just a sore loser as a seventh grade guy when he doesn't win, which is awesome. So um, it really helps us have a good example of what not to do. Yeah, good. Anyway, so um, I need uh, 12 volunteers to help with something. So I just need 12 people who are willing to help, and it will involve using your back. So if you have a bad back, don't, don't volunteer. But I need 12 volunteers. Anybody that could maybe help? You see 12. One, okay, thank you. Two, thanks. Three. Yeah, you can come, you can come on up. Four, five, good. Six, yes, Caden, awesome. Cool, coming up, seven, eight, good. Are we at 12 yet? Nice, awesome, okay. Way to go, that's right. Hey, and um, while they're coming up, this is my father. 
and it is an honor to have him here today. Um, if you haven't met him, he is an amazing man and one of my heroes. So it's awesome to have him today. And my mother is here on the front row. And they have um, embodied the life of sacrifice and loyalty and rugged dedication to Jesus and to marriage in a way that um, is unparalleled. So I'm honored to have them as parents and having this family. So. And they're always here. So it doesn't surprise me that when I say, who wants to help? My dad's the first one, right? Um, so here's the deal. Um, you guys are going to have to squeeze that way a little bit to show this. So Derek, if you could um, go ahead and lay down. We've talked about this. Derek is going to represent the needs of our globe, right? The needs of the world, global hunger. As we talk about global hope, um, Derek is this poor, pathetic, global person, super pathetic, super in need, super needy. Is he needy? (laughs) Anyway, okay, so um, Dave, right? Okay, could you come up here real quick? Could you um, just stand over Derek like this? It's going to be really awkward, okay? And see if you can lift him up for us. The, the board, lift the board. Can you lift the whole board with Derek on it? Oh, get, get closer to him, like lean over, closer to his face. <laughs> oh, almost, okay. All right, nice try, man, that's good. Okay, so here's the deal. Um, I want the 12 of you to come around four on each side and then two on each on, on, on the side of the board. They're going to do a demonstration. But as they get up here, here's what the rules are. You guys are only allowed to use one finger. Okay? Each of you get one finger to help lift. So four on each side and two on the ends. Now, don't lift yet. Don't lift yet because here's the deal. Many of us say we want to help or we understand that we want to help. But what we say is, I don't have anything to give. Or I don't have, I'm barely paying my bills. Or I don't have any extra time. Or I can't go on a missions trip. Or I can't do this. Or I can't do that. Because we only have leftovers to give. Or we don't feel like we have anything. Or if we can give something, we feel like, man, I can only give a little bit. So if you think about our whole body and our strong muscles, right? Your finger is not your strongest muscle. For most of it, it's our big mouth, right? But if we only have a little bit of our life to give, which might represent your little finger, that doesn't mean it doesn't matter. And I want to challenge you today to think about if all you can give is a little piece, then give a little piece because that could be what God uses to lift the global hunger or to help those in need. Does that make sense? So with one finger, everybody gets to put under the board. And on three, Derek, I'll have you sign your waiver afterwards. Right? Go ahead and lift. One, two, three. Can we lift global hunger? Yeah. <laughs> All right, good job. Okay, thank you, guys. (laughs) All right, you guys can have a seat. Mandy got nervous. (laughs) Uh, That's awesome. Okay, so thank you, Derek, for your courage. Um, So think about in, in in our journey as a church body, What do you individually have to offer that might only feel like a tiny little bit, but that collectively, when we do that together as a body, we can change the world. That God has said to you, I send you, go and love and serve. And when we do that together as a body, we carry the power of Christ as the body of of Christ. And so think about what is the little bit that you say, ah, it doesn't really matter, but that Jesus could use the little bit to make a difference, okay? Good job, dear. 
Um, the second piece of this then is to look at um, what is our calling? What is our call individually? There's global need and then there's our own calling. Um, there is a quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and this is hilarious. I've never done this, but I'm going to quote some really smart dude. So this is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Um, and he said this, your vocation in life or your calling is where your greatest joy meets the world's greatest need. I'll say that again. Your life or your calling is where your greatest joy meets the world's greatest need. So what I want to do today is shift gears from the global need, because obviously there are great needs out there. But I want to shift it to a personal focus on, Lord, what are you calling me to do? What is my role in what you're doing around the world? What is my role in what you're doing in the kingdom of heaven? And what is my call? And so my challenge is to think about this, this thought. What is your greatest joy? What is your greatest passion? And what is the world's greatest need? And where those two align is where you're calling. It could be a passion for refugees. It could be a passion for orphans in Uganda. It could be a passion uh, for the cripples in um, Afghanistan that have been, been hurt by the war, right? It could be a, a passion for special needs. It could be for the elderly. God has given each one of us a passion and a gifting. And when we do that thing, whatever it is, you feel alive. Right? You feel like you feel the presence of God or you feel a, an assurance of going, when I'm doing this thing, man, I feel it. I feel God at work. Right? I feel like there's this, this energy or it's the Holy Spirit confirming, saying, yes, I created you for this. And for me, there's two things that I can, well, there's a few, but, but the, one of the things that I can say is um, I have a great passion uh, for the marginalized and those who, like, are um, on the edge of society, right? So if there's somebody who I see down the street who's homeless, my heart goes, <gasps> right? I, want, I feel this longing when they're stinky and dirty and gross and, and they take their shoes off and you're like, you know, or whatever it is. Like, I, there's something in me that goes, I want to just wrap them in my arms and tell them how much God loves them and they are valuable and I have been that way for a long time, right, Mom? Right, Dad? One story is that when I was um, right out of college, my uncle gave me an old pickup truck. And uh, we were dry. We decided I had a friend who um, well, I was going to, was I going to give him the truck? Yeah, anyway, we were driving out to New Mexico, and my mom said, I'll go. So here's my mom and I, and we're driving, and we picked up a hitchhiker uh, right outside of Indianapolis, and we were on our way. And, and he drove with us all the way to Albuquerque, right? Um, and it made it a really fun trip. Um, and my mom was willing to go along with it, and, and she was great at that. But um, for me, when I see somebody who's broken like that, it, it, I feel alive when I'm helping them. Now, I'm not saying that's the way you have to be, but that's something that makes me feel alive. Um, I can't tell you what that is for you, but I know that when you are walking in what you are created to do, there's a joy that comes that you can't explain. And then there's an energy to it. And it's a piece of God saying, I created you to serve. I created you to love. I created you to do this. And when you're doing it, you're doing what he created you to do. Um, and as we think about what Jesus asks of us, if you're thinking, well, what is my calling? What is my passion? I wanted to read a few scriptures about this. One that Jesus calls us to do as we discover what our calling and passion is, is this. Number one, he says, follow me. 
Matthew 4 says, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. And at once they left their nets and followed him. So whatever they were doing as an occupation, they were fishing. And Jesus said, hey, fishermen, follow me, and I'm going to use your fishing for the kingdom of God. So as you discern what your calling is, be thinking, what am I doing? And maybe God is saying, I'm going to use that for the kingdom of God, as he called uh, the disciples. So he wants us to follow him. The second thing is that he wants us to simply trust and obey. Anybody remember that old hymn? Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust him. Awesome. So when you boil our faith down to the, the bare bones, Jesus says, trust me and obey. And um, when the Lord puts thoughts on our hearts or a direction, oftentimes the number one reason we don't do it is because it's inconvenient or we're afraid um, or it's unsure. And First Peter 5 says this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, so that in due time he may exalt you. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. So as you look into the, a future that might be unknown, the Lord says, trust and obey. Cast your anxieties on me, because he cares for you. And the Lord promises, if we follow him and trust him, that he will take care of us and give us what we need. He promises that. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And Jesus says, if you put me first and follow me, that I will give you everything else that you need. And that has happened in my life over and over again as we trust in the Lord together. Um, the thing also about finding our calling is there's a scripture in Psalm um, 37, and one of the things that God asks of us is to put him first. And that's why I read Matthew 6, 33. And this Psalm 37, 4 says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So as we think about what is my calling, what's my passion, what's my role in the world, Jesus's answer is simple. If you put your focus on me, then I will show you the, de the desires of your heart. If you focus on Jesus, then he develops our heart to understand our calling. He helps us to see the needs, I believe, around us. So the greatest thing we can do is to put our focus on Jesus, to delight in him, to spend time gazing upon the beauty of Jesus. And as we do that, then our hearts are turned toward him. And I believe he will reveal to us our call, reveal to us um, our desires and our, our giftings. So delight in the Lord, focus on him. Right? Amen? Um, so uh, the last thing is this, um, that as we listen... We also, and this is where I'm super guilty, we have to be listening to the right voices as we try to discern the voice of the Lord. And we live in a society where we are inundated with stuff coming into this. And um, so there are voices that we hear from the TV, from news stations, from social media, uh, from movies, from uh, people at work. And we really have to be careful to get away and get alone and listen to our heart and listen to the Holy Spirit of God within us um, and listen to his word by spending time reading it. And, um, man, I, again, I tell you, like, I am guilty of running through days without spending time in the Word. And a little self-disclosure, um, I've been doing this Thursday night healing class that we started, which I ended up finding was a horrible idea because I'm having to face some inner stuff that I haven't dealt with for a long time. And I started 
seeing a counselor a month ago because like this inner healing class, you're supposed to ask God to show you what are the things that I'm dealing with or what are the lies that I believe about myself or what are the pain. And so I went, okay, I'll do that. So I said, okay, Lord, show me the lies that I believe. And I, I started to open this box, I call it, of lies or things that I've, I haven't dealt with in a long time. And the monsters were huge. And I was like, whoa, uh-uh. So I had to put them back on the shelf. And I told the Thursday night group, man, I'm, I have to see a counselor. Like, there's too much. And so I've been going to a counselor to process what um, were the things in my life that I was listening to, the voices that were influencing who I thought I was. Um, and why did I bring that up? Oh, what? (laughs) I don't know what you said, but it's funny that I can't know. I don't know why I brought it up. Except to say that in your journey, there might be voices that you've listened to for too long and that the Lord wants to free you from that and set you on a path of healing and hope and that oftentimes it is our anxiety or our fear or our brokenness that keep us from loving other people. And when we take time to sit with Jesus and sit alone with him, Oh, that's why I was going to say it. Then we hear God's truth. Well, here's the deal. Once I started to think about my pain, every time I tried to sit still with the Lord, that stuff would come up, and it was like right here. And so I was like, nope. So for two weeks, I did not sit with Jesus. I didn't sit still and read because I was like, every time I sit still and start to journal what I'm feeling or praying or whatever, it would be like, and I would push it away. And it's because I needed that time alone with Jesus to hear what was really going on in my heart. I run 100 miles an hour, but I don't stop to listen. And when I did stop to listen, what I heard was, you need healing. You need help. You need the tender voice of the Heavenly Father telling you who you are. And I was running so fast, I wasn't listening to the tender voice of my Heavenly Father. And so I encourage you to stop and listen to the tender voice of your Heavenly Father who wants to set you free for the calling that he has on your life. And it could be that in this room, when we stop and listen and trust the Lord, that there could be world leaders that are sitting in this room. There could be people in this room that God is gonna call to go to Syria to help save lives of millions of children. It could be that in this room, there's somebody that God has given the call to go and fight for digging wells and clean water in uh, Uganda. It could be that in this room, there is somebody who is going to go and develop orphanages that saves these children who don't have what they need. It could be in this very room that there are people that Jesus is going to say, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men around the globe. And as we think about global crisis and global hunger, Jesus is our global hope. And we might say, yeah, I live in El Dorado, Kansas, blah. Who wants to live there? Blah, right? And what good comes from Elder And I'm just, I'm a nobody. I'm just one person. But if you think about our, our example, one finger by itself can't do it, but a whole group can. And it could be that God's calling you to do something that you've never done before or to follow him in a direction that is completely opposite of what you thought you were going to do. You might not have heard this, but I was in school to become a medical missionary. And I thought I was going to go and serve overseas and be a missionary. And then I met this weird musician dude named Rich Mullins at a gas station in New Mexico, and it changed my life. And, and uh, I ended up doing music and never went back to medical school. But I believe it was the Lord's plan and his call on my life to pursue music 
and it wound up here today in El Dorado, Kansas, which is God's work in my life, and I love that God has called me here to be a part of this community. But you don't know what God might have for you. Um, so here's what I want to do. Where's Cynthia? She is one of my favorite people on the planet. Uh, every Tuesday, every Tuesday, we have a prayer time here at 11 o'clock. And if you're free and want to join us, it is really beautiful. Cynthia sometimes plays piano, and we pray for the needs that you write on your prayer cards on Sundays. We pray for the needs of the community. And Cynthia, I love it when she plays. So I asked you to play this morning. And here's what I wanted to do. I wanted to give you a few minutes of quiet to listen to your heart and to listen to the Holy Spirit and to think and to dream about what is your greatest passion? What is your greatest joy? And where does it meet the world's greatest need? But as the Lord is at work, I believe he could be this morning speaking. So I want to encourage us to throw caution to the wind, to throw out all of the pragmatic stuff of what you got to do and what, you know, all of the naysaying excuses. And lay your heart before the Lord and say, Jesus, you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. And you are my shepherd. And I give you my life. And wherever you lead me, I am in. I am in 150% because Jesus, our good shepherd, promises when we follow him and cast our anxieties on him that he will provide and give us what we need. Amen? And so what we want to do, I want to give you a chance just to sit and to really ask the Lord, okay, God, I am all yours. So Cynthia, can you start me? I love this. Um, let's pray. And then I want you to think about Lord, what is my passion? What is my calling? What are you calling me to do? And listen, and it could be crazy, but crazy sometimes is what the Holy Spirit uses to move the world. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the calling that you have given us to follow you. We thank you, Jesus, that you came in order to set us free. You came to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to set the prisoner free to give sight to the blind. And Jesus, in our world today, we know that there are people who are still caught in poverty and in hunger and in blindness. And so Jesus, I pray that this morning, as we rest, would you give each person here an understanding and a prompting of what you are calling them to do, who are you are calling them to be as they seek to follow you. Would you open our hearts? What is our passion? What is our joy? And what are you calling us to Friends, would you just take a few minutes to listen to the Holy Spirit before we finish?
as you're in prayer, listen to this scripture from 1 Corinthians 2, 9. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Again, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. So Jesus, I pray that you would help us to know what it means to love you more, to put you first, to delight in you. And then Jesus, would you ignite within us a passion and a fire for you and for the needs that you want us to walk into. Lord, I pray for every person here today that you would fill them with the trust in you to obey what you're calling, to lead them to know what you're calling them to. Would you awaken the, the calling from within the hearts of all those who are here today. And for those who know that path, I pray that you would strengthen that, that we would be able to follow you and love in Jesus' name.